is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 21. I don't think I'm going to be able to cover everything, um, as usually the case. But I'm going to carry on from chapter 11. And and, uh, Kevin spoke to us last week and brought the message to us from Luke chapter 11. And the part that I'm going to be concentrating on this morning, Luke chapter 12, is very closely linked with chapter 11. So a lot of the things that happen in chapter 11... um, are brought into chapter 12 as a consequence of that. So even though I'm going to be referring more to chapter 11 than chapter 12, it all fits together. I'm going to start reading from Luke, chapter 12, verse 1 to 21. Meanwhile, when the crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast, of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You are not one of, sorry, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you, brought, when you are brought before the synagogues, rulers, authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And it moves on to a parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And And he told them this parable, the ground, of a certain, sorry, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my bonds and build bigger ones. 
And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Praise the Lord. The chapter begins here in Luke was telling us that Jesus was really swamped with lots of lots of people, in fact in the thousands. And they were trampling all over themselves just to find a place to hear Jesus, to hear him speak, to hear his words, to see him perform miracles and signs and wonders. And Jesus became very popular. You could say he was famous. But Jesus wasn't looking for popularity or fame or audience or appreciation of any kind or any other status. And what is important to him was that he did the will of God. So it's not surprising that when he turned to his disciples first and not to the the, the crowds of people. As I said earlier, the whole chapter is full of the words of Jesus. And the chapter begins at verse 1 when Jesus addresses his disciples with a warning of the pitfall of pharisaical hypocrisy. Who and what were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were mostly middle class businessmen and therefore were in contact with the common man. The Pharisees were held in much higher esteem by the common man than the Sadducees were. Though they were the minority, the Sanhedrin, in the Sanhedrin, they held uh, a number of positions as priests and they seemed to control the decisions being made in the, within the Sanhedrin. For the Sadducees um, were not happy about this, but nevertheless, they had, the Pharisees had the support of the people and that's why they were able to, to have more influence. Religiously, they accepted the written word as inspired word of God. At the time of Christ's earthly ministry, they would have been what they would have had what we now know as the Old Testament. But they also gave equal authority to oral tradition and attempted to defend their position by saying it was it went all the way back to Moses. So basically, they added to what God had already given them and made an excuse to carry on that oral tradition, which was forbidden in Deuteronomy when God spoke that nothing should should be added to the word. And so the Pharisees sought to not only obey the Lord, but to, uh, to also obey these traditions alongside the law. And the gospel um, abounds in lots of examples in the different gospels of these traditions that the Pharisees kept. So here we see the picture of all these people gathering together and Jesus really taking time out just to look towards the disciples and start to talk to them. Jesus starts, as I said, with a warning. Then proceeds to unpack this short, concise 
sentence where he says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The results of ignoring the warning would be fatal, and the consequences of which would be the same as the Pharisees had received at the hand of Jesus when he spoke to them about their hypocrisy in chapter 11. Jesus spoke with words of displeasure and anger and he sternly rebuked the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. Jesus didn't mince his his words. He fearlessly established his disapproval and condemnation of hypocrisy in the lives of the Pharisees. This was a very clear attack on their motives and actions and practices. When I read these verses, I'm really totally shocked in the way that Jesus spoke to them with so much strong language. And I had to sit back and read it again and again. You don't see Jesus talking like this to many people or many groups. So no wonder the Pharisees took it very personal and then sought to try and kill him. Such was the gravity of their hypocrisy that Jesus left no room for doubt in the minds of the Pharisees the state of their condition before God. This was a clear challenge to the Pharisees to renew their conduct in the light of the truth, but they failed miserably to grasp the concept and instead took steps to discredit Jesus at every opportunity by inferring that Jesus was using satanic powers to do his miracles and demanding signs of proof of his authenticity. The warnings and the instructions from the Master to the disciples was clear. If they were truly to become followers, disciples of Jesus, then they would have to avoid becoming like the Pharisees. Jesus used leaven or yeast as an example of their hypocrisy. Leaven yeast, like hypocrisy, hypocrisy, starts small but expands as it ferments and affects the whole dough. Similarly, hypocrisy affects everything it touches. Elsewhere, Jesus warned the disciples of the teaching of the Pharisees and likened it to leaven and yeast in Matthew and in Mark. And this hypocrisy was expressed both in their doctrines and in their lives, which was a great show of piety and holiness. But in reality, it was hypocrisy in doctrine and in actions. Leaven, yeast, like hypocrisy, lies hidden and covered and is not easily discerned, nor is its influence and its effects observed. But in time... It, it, it affects, it corrupts one's whole life. Eventually it is seen for what it is. As in the life of the Pharisees, puffed up pride, false humility, vain opinion of self. And it's this that Jesus warns his disciples to be aware of. That they too do not get infected by the Pharisees, by this yeast, by this leaven. And then the next two verses shows us that what is 
unknown because of hypocrisy and concealment, will only one day become known. What we seek to hide from the eyes and ears of others behind closed doors will be revealed and brought into the light. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12 say this, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Verse 3, What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Just think about that. If you have your Bible, will you turn with me first of all just to Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. I'm just going to read this to you. And you'll see how this fits in. And <coughs> this is Paul. By the grace of God, sorry, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You see, believers serving God will be rewarded according to their works of service on the day. And the day being referred to here is the judgment seat of Christ. This is not to be confused with the final judgment of unbelievers, which the true followers of Christ are exempt from. But it is a judgment seat of Christ where believers will be rewarded for their works and service, some of whom will be disappointed and others who will be surprised at the favour and blessing of God in what they receive. But all shall be revealed. Our innermost thoughts and secrets will be on display for all to see. All that is done out of selfish ambition and show, as the Pharisees did. I want to read that verse again, but I want to use a different translation. The earlier translation was the NIV, but I'm going to read out the, the Message Bible. Because I think it's important to listen to these words. These are sobering thoughts. Sobering words. Chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long you will be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later the mask will slip and your face will be known. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day's coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. This is a sobering thought indeed. And they're challenging, to say the least. Imagine our gossip being shouted off the rooftops. 
our false humility and pride on display for all to see. Our deception to obtain things from others being viewed on a 32-inch plasma. Our false pretense to gain personal attention or maybe our our misleading speech or our fake smiles or insincere congratulations. And what about our deceptive motives to accomplish our hidden agendas? All this will be revealed. That's what the word says. Let's heed the Saviour's warning, verse 1. Be on your guard against eleven, the yeast of the Pharisees. We, are not allowed, we should not allow our relationship with God to be reduced to a legalistic list of rules and rituals, the do's and the don'ts. You know, the Pharisees try to um, achieve righteousness through the law. That's what they're trying to do. But Jesus Christ has brought our righteousness for us on the cross. We are not called to achieve righteousness through the law. We are called to live in the grace that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary. If you miss that, you've misunderstood the gospel. The gospel, you see, is good news. It's life. It's light. It's freedom from sin. It's hope. It's faith. It's love. It's joy. It's peace and abundant life. All purchased for us through the blood of Jesus. If the Pharisees who had the word of God and who cherished the word of God got it wrong, then we must be careful not to repeat the same mistake. And so easily, even under grace, we slip up. I thought it would be appropriate just to have a, a definition of hypocrisy at this point. And the New Testament seems to combine, combine the Old Testament concept of godless rebel and the Greek word hypocrite originally originally came from the word used in the Greek drama that meant one who is play-acting or wearing a mask. The symbol of the Greek drama, as most of you are probably aware, is a two-faced mask. Often you see these at the theatre, such as when you go and see Phantom of the Opera and you can see those masks. That's why a hypocrite is often called two-faced. Someone who is trying to deceive, pretending to be different than he or she really is. One who puts a mask and frames himself or herself to be what he or she is not. Hypocrisy, Hypocrisy can be manifested in the following ways. When someone puts on a false appearance, that is to conceal facts, 
feelings or intentions. Or when someone gives the appearance of something. That is to put on an appearance for something not actually felt or true. Or when someone hides something by pretense. That is to hide real beliefs, feelings, intentions through misleading speech and behaviour. Reminds me of a uh, story of a young uh, four-year-old boy called Timmy. On a blistering hot day, when they had guests for dinner, mother asked four-year-old Timmy to say thanks. But I don't want to, he said. The boy complained. Oh, just, I don't know what to say. So the mother said, oh, just say what you hear me say, his mother replied. Obediently, the boy bowed his head, mumbling and groaning. Oh Lord, why did I invite these people over for a hot, on a hot day like this? Children have a knack of putting us on the spot, don't they? You know, one of um, the popular excuses or reasons for many non-Christians not wanting to attend church is because they believe that Christians are hypocrites. Why is that? What has a church as a whole, nationwide, done to deserve such an allegation? What inconsistencies does the world see that causes them to view the church in this way? Sometimes the world sees what we Christians are blind to. On a personal level, what am I in my life doing that's false or pretense? Or at work that is two-faced? How am I behaving that will cause others to discredit and question my integrity? Why am I hiding or concealing my true feelings towards someone who really makes me angry at work or at home or in my neighbourhood or college? Why am I on occasions choosing to depict something that I'm not? As I have asked myself these questions, so I challenge all of us here today to consider them too. We all need to work through these attitudes. Nobody's perfect. Maybe these questions will cause us to really look at ourselves in the light of Scripture and draw us to our knees in prayer, asking God to help us by His Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus and unlike the Pharisees. Even this week at work, I was accused of being a hypocrite and inconsistent, at which I took great offence and became angry because it was said to me in anger. I refuted the allegation vehemently, but later I had to take a step back and think about the accusation and bring it before the Lord. 
Was this just another bogus claim because I had denied the person their request? Or was it indeed true? I had to go through the process of being objective before the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. In this case, it was bogus. It was a bogus claim. However, it did highlight the fact that I was not above approach and needed to be objective and consistent in my approach to people's requests. Let me hasten to add that this brought to mind times when indeed I had been inconsistent and hypocritical. I think it was last week. Was it last week? Probably last week or the week before. Coming into church, it's quite busy. I think it was last week because I was on tea service and whatever, so I was rushing around as I do normally. And uh, coming through the car park in the Eagle Centre, there was a couple of people um, who obviously um, were in need of help. And uh, it was a, a young man, a young lady, a guy had a drink in his hand and obviously needed, uh, asked for a light, I think for a cigarette, and obviously I don't smoke, and said I didn't have, uh, didn't have a, a lighter, etc. And um, I, I wanted to stop, but because I was busy with other things, I just, I just walked by. And as I walked by, I just felt challenged by the Lord. Now, so often with Christians, we're so busy, busy, and God brings people across our path, and we just take a step to the side and just bypass people. And sometimes, because it may, and if I'm honest, I also felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. Probably because they weren't the normal type of people I meet with. And that, that challenged me to rethink, is that the Pharisee in me? Do I need to deal with that Pharisee in me? Thank you, Lord. We also see other examples of hypocrisy in the lives of believers in the New Testament. Classic one is Ananias and Sapphira in Acts. And you know the story there of deception of trying to be something they were not. Also, in the lives of the Apostle Peter, when Peter was condoning circumcision in Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 11, which was contrary to the grace that was in Christ Jesus and was challenged by Paul concerning that issue. Paul's letter to Titus in chapter 1, verse 16, talking of the Cretans, he says, they claim to know God, but their actions deny him. They are, dis- dis- they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. If ever a character assassination, there's one. And then Mark 14, Peter's hypocrisy in his boast to Jesus of his loyalty prior to the crucifixion when he denied the Lord three times. Folks, we are all vulnerable to hypocrisy. This is why Jesus warned the disciples to be on their guard. We would be wise to do the same and deal with hypocrisy in our own lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. What God gave was intended to bring life, freedom and blessing. But the Pharisees turned it into legalistic bondage, drudgery and death. No wonder Jesus called them 
blind. They're learning knowledge and keeping of the law. Their sacrifices and giving amounted to in the, nothing in the sight of God. And they reduced the, the word of God to mere observance and ritual. We need to be weary that we do not fall in the same pitfall. The Pharisees saw themselves as superior. They were self-righteous. 2 Timothy 3, 5 reads, Having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing, have, have nothing to do with them. The Pharisees had a form of faith. That cannot be denied. But what can be denied was they denied the power of God. I remember on many occasions people asking me, people saying to me rather, that Christians are no same than what, no, no different than what they were. They go to church, they smoke and they drink and they gamble, they gossip, they deceive. They're no different than us. But this world sees us in a different light. And they see it because of scandals of high profile people probably within the church that are broadcast in the media and the press and it's difficult to defend and we become labelled with them. I remember someone once um, was trying to invite a friend to go to church with him and my friend answered uh, uh, so the, the man answered well I'd like to go to church but the church is so full of hypocrites. So my friend replied, that's okay. There's always room for one more. On the other hand, it seems unfair to say that the church is full of hypocrites because I know a lot of people who have been faithful and true and authentic and who love the Lord and their Christian lives are a real blessing and challenge. But even those of us who have been Christian for many years have experienced times when our God has been down and Satan has shot his fiery darts and hypocrisy has crept in and sin has resulted. Now there's a difference between a Christian struggling with sin and and a hypocrite. A Christian struggling with sin comes to God saying, God, this is my weakness in my life. I really need the help of your Holy Spirit to deal with it. And God welcomes a prayer like that and promises to help. But the hypocrite doesn't really struggle to overcome his sin. He or she just tries to hide it. He or she thinks, when I'm in church, I'll be like a Christian. I'll say the prayers. I'll sing the songs. I'll obey the rules. I'll go through the motions. But when I'm out in the world, I'll act act differently and behave exactly the way those around me behave. Many Christians, it's sadly said, put on their spiritual masks of hypocrisy and they hide behind it to conceal the truth of who they really are. What is the motive for concealment? 
Is it, is it because we don't want our true identity being exposed? Probably so. Then at least there's a question why? Because that's not what God wants for you. We may deceive others. We may even deceive ourselves. But we do not deceive God. God knows the truth. And the wonderful fact is that he still loves us. And is able to help us through the Holy Spirit to overcome our weaknesses. I'm running out of time. The Lord in verse 12 refers to the disciples refers to the disciples as friends, which is a sharp contrast to the Pharisees who were his enemies. Friends are not just people with whom we share common life, but those whom we share also our commitment and our goals. The disciples were his companions in spreading the good news of the kingdom and there was nothing for them to fear. Jesus knew that the antagonism between himself and the Pharisees and the exposure of their hypocrisy would cause intense opposition, hostility and persecution, not only for him, but also for his disciples. And it's in this context that Jesus begins to encourage the disciples not to fear man, but God, who is in total control. Rather than fearing their persecutors, the disciples should fear God more. God has a power to affect eternal, not only temporal destiny. As with Peter and other followers of Jesus, we fear, we're gripped with fear under the intense opposition from the Pharisees. It paralyzed their witness and it led them to denial and hypocrisy. Peter wasn't the only one. So in the following verses, Jesus, knowing, knowing this, reassures them by two illustrations, showing them that God is fully aware of their needs and cares for them. And that's in verse 6 and 7. And it reads as such. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet one of them is not forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your heads are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. These sparrows were of insignificant value. Yet God knew about them. And Jesus is using these two little illustrations to convey to the disciples that not only is God aware of these little ones that are discarded for two pennies, evidently when you brought two pennies worth, you got one chucked in free. That was their value. But that he was aware of them, the disciples, and that they need not fear. These illustrations balance Jesus' singular warning to fear God with a double assurance of his fatherly concern for them. This was to encourage them not to fear opposition and persecution that lay ahead of them, but to be faithful witnesses. And this is further endorsed in the next two verses, verse 8 and 9, where Jesus encourages his disciples in their public witness and acknowledgement of him. And he goes on to say, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But he who disowns me 
before men will be disowned before the angels of God. The disciples had to make a clear choice whether to acknowledge Jesus or not. We too face the same choice. Despite their fear and even lack of faith and at times also their hypocrisy, they were predominantly faithful in their public acknowledgement and witness of Jesus Christ. Where do we stand when it comes to public witness? Do we yield under the fear of criticism and opposition or do we exercise courage and actively rely on the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the words to speak as the disciples did? See, what hypocrisy will do is it will lead us away from that. It will lead us to deny our Lord But faith will cause us to rise up and be ready to give an account of our faith in Christ Jesus, as in Peter 1, or rather 1 Peter. But in your your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, the mission was still on. The mission was still to spread the word, the gospel, the good news. Yes, they had to contend with the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. More importantly, they had to contend with hypocrisy in their own lives. As I said earlier, Jesus would always speak to us in tenderness and kindness. But there are times when he will be strict. There was no other way for Jesus to speak to the, the, the Pharisees Because if there was, he would have done that. Jesus was stern and it was to the point. I want to encourage you this morning to lean on the Lord. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That when you have an inkling of hypocrisy coming your way, that you deal with it right there and then. That you don't allow it to fester like the yeast. That you don't allow it to settle in you. But you come before the Lord and give it to Him. We need to paint a new picture to the world. A picture that is pure. A picture that is truth. A picture that deserves to be heard and seen. Who's going to paint that picture? We, the church. We, the church, are going to paint that picture. My encouragement to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is to chuck away that false mask, that false intention, that misleading speech. Thank you, Lord. I want to finish i just going over a few points. We started off with Jesus warns his disciples to be on their guard against hypocrisy. Against the yeast and the leaven. Hypocrisy takes a form of faith which denies the power of the gospel and leads to Pharisaic legalism. Beware. Hypocrisy incites God's righteous indignant anger. Hypocrisy conceals, deceives, pretends 
Play acts is false and affects our witness for Christ. All hypocrisy, concealment, and what we have said behind closed doors and in the dark, the scriptures tell us will be exposed. Do not fear man's intimidation and opposition, but witness for God and know his fear. And Christ promises that if we acknowledge him, he will acknowledge us. And finally, Jesus calls us his friends and we are valued by God who knows everything about us so you don't need to fear what is ahead of you. Let's just, let's just bow our heads. Time is running out. Thank you, Lord. Let's just be silent and take this moment just to be honest before the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God has touched on something this morning in your life, I encourage you, I urge you, surrender that to Him. Don't leave this place as you came in. And if you'd like prayer or you'd like to talk to somebody, then just feel free to catch me, John or Kevin the front here. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are not a God of condemnation, but you are a God of conviction. That you are a God who cares and loves us. And that you are a God who hates hypocrisy and sin with a passion. And with that passion you came and took your place on Calvary for us. And I ask, Lord, that as we leave this place that we will become more like Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We worship you. And I ask that you will go with us all, that your peace will be upon our lives and that we would honor you in all things. Receive all the glory, Lord, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Um. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.